What's up, team? This is your host, AJ Webb. And on this episode of the Adam State Football Podcast, I talk with George Holly. Today, George is an owner and agent of Cover Zero, where he represents coaches and players who aspire to play and coach football at the highest levels. Before George took his DU law degree into the football world, he worked as a prosecutor, where he advocated for victims of violent crimes and children who had been sexually assaulted. This admirable work was preceded by a pro football career with the Colorado Ice a coaching stint at Adam State winning his team, and an accomplished college career where he earned several individual and team awards. George earned multi-all-conference selections, led the RMAC in sacks, and was a key player on the 2004 unit that was the number one defense in the nation in conference champion contenders. And now, an Adam State football podcast with the six foot three, two hundred and twenty pound linebacker by way of Woodland Park, Colorado, number fifty one, George. Holly. Hey gang, just a heads up that this is a two-part episode. George and I started talking and couldn't zip our lips. So this first part is George, George's origin story, George's Adam State football career. Check out part two, which will be coming up, where we talk about George's professional career, his DU Law School experience, his advice for players that are considering becoming professional football players that want to chase that dream, as well as some other health topics related to playing football. I hope you check them both out. Thanks in advance. Number 51, George Holly. Uh, you're in Grand Junction right now, George? I am. I'm in Grand Junction, man. It's, uh, hasn't been too hot the past couple of days, but it can get hot out here. Uh-huh. What's, uh, so how many years have you been in Grand Junction now? Been here since 2013, nine years, nine years out Okay. Here. So have you brushed shoulder with, have you brushed shoulder with some, with some Mesa, with some Mesa state types around there? Give them some dirty looks. What's that been like? Oh, actually, on my way to work today, I, I stopped by the football office and they were handing out helmets and I had to see my guy Wickery, you know, Coach Wick, okay. who coached at Adams with us. And um, so I've been here since I coached in 2013. And so I keep tabs on those guys and uh, I like their head coach two miles, but Wick's my guy. So I stopped by on the way and said hi to Wickery and we um, shot the shit a little bit and had fun. There we go. What's it like for you to be, because my, you know, I drive by Plocky Hall. I smell fresh cut grass this time of year in August, and my senses just start firing. Was that was that what it was like for you? Kind of seeing them handing out the gear. What was it like? Yeah, um, it was a little different down there in their thing because you see like that Mesa color stuff, and you don't really identify <laughs> it. Um, <laughs> I tell you what, I did a Peloton workout the other day. Though I got back into it, and I was drenched. Set my shirt down and I came back the second day and I'd done a workout and my wife kicked me out of the house to go towel off. So I grabbed my old shirt and I ended up smelling it and it smelled just like my, you know, just like our, our, our shirts from when we were playing, our undershirts uh-huh. and ended up putting it up to my face because it reminded me of playing days and my wife about threw up. I thought about <laughs> that, but, I didn't. but do, do, that was one. Do you have a, do you, do you have a favorite shirt? Do you have a shirt that that's like, 
you know, your shirt, maybe it looks like it's in, in shreds or a, a lucky shirt that you wore into your pads that you still have? I still have, like, of all things, I didn't even go to Cortez, you know, but I still have that Cortez wrestling shirt I used to wear underneath my pads. And <laughs> it's in, when I played indoor ball, I had, like, a, a gunny sack, if you will, a mesh gunny sack that we used to carry our pads and such in. So I've kept that around in my house somewhere. I'm saving it for my kiddo if and when he ever wants to do it. Um, but other than that, the, I really don't have a lot of my Adam stuff. I think my wife's thrown most of it away, but I do have like that Adam state nine, five, nine, 2004 defense shirt in a frame cool. uh-huh. and that's in my workout room. So it just says nine, five, nine equals number one defense. You know, that's the one thing I still have. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, and we were talking tape a little bit. Um, I'm hoping I can snoop around the college a little bit and, you know, see if I can scare up some of the stuff from the bad old days. But uh, so, so George, let's, uh, let, let's, let's start. I got this script here. Um, tell us where, cause I want, what I want to do is I want to just walk our, walk us all the way through where, you know, where you came from, how you got to Adams, your experience and how you're, um, how you're interacting with the game of football now and what it's mean to you and what it's meant to you. But tell us the position that you played the years that you played and the number that you wore. Yeah, I came in, gosh, as weird as it sounds, I came in as like a strong safety outside linebacker type because I was a little undersized and then kept working my way down, you know, towards the line, finished up as like a linebacker. And I finished up at the linebacker position, but I kind of played everything from a hybrid, like stand-up guy in the 04 days to more of a traditional linebacker in 05, 06. Played 2001 to 06, uh, wore 51. It's about, I'm from Woodland Park, man. You know, why 51? What was there any? Is that just the number that you got, or had you picked that number out? Uh, the baddest linebacker ever to play the position, or maybe backers ever to play the position. At, you know, at that time that I thought that wore 51, and that was like, you know, Singletary and Buckus. And then since then, you know, I think Erlacher. Yeah, I loved Erlacher. 54 is yeah. cool, but. I just, I kind of always saw myself more as the throwback guy anyway. Like I wasn't flashy, didn't, didn't really care what I looked like. I wasn't that kind of guy. You know? <laughs> you're, you're timeless. You're timeless. And um, let's, so you, 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 you played your high school ball at Woodland Park. Were you, bo- were you born in, did you spend time in Virginia? When did you make it over to Woodland Park? I didn't get to Woodland Park till sixth grade. So I went to elementary school almost all the way through Virginia. Um, out in Virginia and then um, came to Woodland Park in sixth grade and lived there up until I went to Alamosa and then gosh I was in Alamosa from 01 to 06 07 Uh really and then went and played some indoor football and went to law school in Denver and then back to Alamosa so I spent nine ten years in Alamosa okay when uh, so you're a coach's son did mm-hmm. your dad get involved with the coaching and the, and the, and the football programs at Woodland Park um, w- when you were a, when you were a middle schooler? Like, what, what was that like? Was he guiding the middle school programs? What was that like? He was a head. He's he was always a head ball coach. So um, okay. when we went to Virginia, because he took a head job out there and then he did real well and got the Woodland Park job and came back. And so he was always kind of up there. I didn't play for him until high school, which had its issues, but that's fine. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, but he, so he went to Adams and played at Adams from, and he went to CSU originally on scholarship and then hated it. And they were real bad at CSU at the time. They were like number one in the bottom 10. And that would have been in 73. And then, so he transferred and played 74, five and six down at Adams. And okay. uh, so when coaches came recruiting, you know, it was Wayne McGinn that came in. And so him and T Wayne were tight. Matter of fact, he, my dad was GAing when Wayne and Marty, I think won the league championship in 1981. Okay. Okay. When, um, what was your, involvement in youth sports i'm curious to know what other sports did you play when you were in you know middle school or high school and when did you start getting serious about football i, I would assume you got serious kind of quick just because your old man's your old man's a head dude but what other sports did you play um growing up uh so growing up i just did kind of all the everything that all the kids do baseball uh -huh. um baseball wrestling basketball you know in middle school i ran track to get faster and learn how to sprint in the 800 and then i won most improved and then i realized that i should probably quit real quick so i did okay. i finished the season and never finished the track out uh never played it never ran it again i should say after seventh mm -hmm. grade but I, I did it all kind of um and i never really was that i mean even in the summer and i'm pretty thankful for this you know my father's philosophy was be a multi-sport athlete, you know, play eight to 10, mm -hmm. um, seven on seven football games. You know, I went to nationals and wrestling, um, up in Fargo two years, uh, played summer baseball, kind of did it all, all through the summer. Whereas it wasn't really serious about one sport. And I, I think that the numbers, when you go back and you look at the NFL draft and the first round draft choices and, um, Oh, gosh, I can even tell you just talking to scouts. They want to see, like, these scouts go back and, and look at high school track numbers still. I mean, they'll okay. go back and, and pull, what did they run? What did they jump? What kind of an athlete are these kids? Oh, um, wow. They'll go back and look at high school track numbers as a guide. And these scouts want to see kind of, hey, are they? do they have this type of base in their athleticism? Did they run track? Did they wrestle Mm -hmm. I think it's very important, and I think that, um, you know, the contrary argument is, well, is this guy first-round pick and could, because he had the athleticism to play three sports? Like, what came first, the chicken or the egg? And, uh -huh. and I, I think that that's a cynical way of looking at it, that they're a first-round draft choice and were able to play and excel at three sports just because of how athletic they were. I think that each sport provides a different a different basis for kids. And so, I mm -hmm. personally, that, that's just what I believe in. Um I think that a lot of the majority of the NFL scouts and front office executives believe in it. And, um, I think there's a lot to it. Okay. Um, I came from a program where it was like you, it was mandatory. You had to play at least one other sport. Cause that's what our coach, he said, you know, Hey, we, we're too small of a school cause we're a, a small four a school. So we were, and, and, and so that's like a 1200 person school, but our coach said, Hey, you know what? we got some big dogs in this conference. Um, our school cannot afford to have specialists and you're going to be a better football player because you go play baseball, because you wrestle, because you play basketball, because you do these um, other things. And I think that there's been 
would you say that there's been like, I don't know, a rash is the proper term, but the idea of specializing in whatever sport that is um, at the high school age, at the high school level has been something that we probably ought to learn from as a, as a group of, of people that are sports enthusiasts and say, hey, maybe actually spending more time in other sports is a good idea. Yeah, I, I think that, and, and to be honest, AJ, I mean, looking back at it now as a parent, the conundrum, I think it, it might be just a selfish thing from a parent or a coach to that's mm -hmm. what he wants to do. And so he can't coach all summer if he doesn't have kids. Mm -hmm. I think that some of that might just be mm -hmm. a selfish, you know, parent thing. Like my kids now looking, do we do travel ball? Do we sit at home? Well, I can tell you that in the six games my son played at eight years old, it was travel ball. It was tremendously better on me as a parent to watch. The product was better. Mm. Are those kids going to have any better career in high school because they play travel ball? Probably not. Like they haven't even went through puberty. Like I don't care how good <laughs> you are until you go through puberty. Like no one, seriously, it's not about talent at this age. It's just about repetition, right? Right, right. And I mean, maybe one or two kids can throw harder. Maybe they, for whatever reason, they do have a little bit more talent. But on the on the whole, it's not about talent. It's it's mm -hmm. about repetition. And so am I going to be selfish and say, you know, this is what I want to see, or does my kid really want to go do that? And am I going to put my kid in 30 summer baseball games and not let him go do other things? And at, at this age, you can do that. Uh, the question is now, does it bleed over? Like, do you do winter baseball training? Well, it's winter time. Mm -hmm. Go get your butt in the wrestling room. That's my dad. That's mm -hmm. my, that's my selfish thing. Trey, you're mm -hmm. going to go to the wrestling room. I don't care if you wrestle one match and you're going to go learn leverage and hands. That's it. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're going to learn humility. Mm -hmm. And so winter for wrestling. And so I, I, I personally don't believe in the, the specialization, but I can tell you it's there. There's a, there's a nine and under tryout team. Like we're going to practice all winter. That's great. Go have fun. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I don't know what to tell you. Tell me then what was your, so you, you were involved in lots of sports in high school. Tell me a little bit about your, uh, your high school football career. What positions did you play? What was it like playing for your old man? What was that like? Man, I just kind of had to scrap. I mean, I was 119 pounds my freshman year, so I just kind of yeah. scrapped. And I could play, like, freshman and JV quarterback and linebacker and such. But, I mean, mm -hmm. I was just small. And we weren't – I mean, we were – we were, like, 3A and 4A in high school. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, we were playing freshman year. We were playing, like, the Lewis Palmers and Cheyenne Mountains. And, I mean, we weren't playing small Colorado schools. So I just had to kind of scrap and then, you know, it's football was one of those things where your dad's a coach. If, if, if it's not obvious athletic wise, everyone will say you're playing because your dad's a coach and that's fine. That comes with the territory, right? Like mm -hmm. um, Cody Hawkins at CU never, never won the fan base over. Um, and mm -hmm. it, it's just, the, that's just the reality of it. And um, so that's why I wrestled. Mm -hmm. was because playing for your dad it's always like well you just won because your dad well i you know i state placer in wrestling and did really well and so i was able to go out and and do a lot of individual things but playing for your dad is it's a double-edged sword right because you get to spend a lot more time than the other kids um but i'll say this like you know the, there's a scout team and this is back in like 1997 right no one cared about scout team quarterbacks at any level let alone high school especially high school mm -hmm. level but mm -hmm. they always protected the other scout team quarterbacks, but me, they just never did like blindside corner blitzes run scout team, <laughs> oh. get ready for the playoff. 
Uh huh. Like I just had to grow up and get tougher quicker because they like it was legitimately no protection. Like he would. Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 you had the target on your back. You're under a microscope. You know, and it's so anything you did wrong or any opportunity to give you give you a little bit extra business was probably not passed up on. Yeah, I mean that's just the way it was. Now at the end of the at the end of the season, all the seniors were nice and they they were told that dad wasn't going to give me a letter and they all went to him and said, "No, nah, this kid went through hell. You need to give him a letter." And he, I was playing. I, mean, I was playing special teams by the end of the year on on a playoff team, but I mean they took care of me. It was kind of their initiation. I had to earn the mm-hmm. respect, so I did. You know what I mean? It was fine. Mm-hmm. Was that a powerful so, experience for you? I mean, is that something that you remembered? And because I can, because I have my own experience with you as a younger player, um, and I observed other, uh, other, other experiences of other younger players and how you interacted. Was that an important thing that you carried on with you on purpose or maybe subconsciously? What do you think? No, yeah, I mean. I think that being a good teammate is the, one of the most important things that you can do for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. But um, well, you know, we were in Woodland Park. I think we played four home games and we won a won a district championship in baseball, won two league champion or a league championship one year and a district championship the next year. And that league championship team was probably the most selfless team I think we might've ever played on. It was in high school and I learned a lot like what, you know, about being selfless and when a team comes together and that was a good experience. We were able to kind of replicate that in football the next year. And I just think that being a good teammate and when, when you're worried more about the guys around you than what's going on, it just, it puts you in a good spot and, and coaches, I mean, good culture is essential. Right. And so I've always mm-hmm. tried to get there and get to good culture, work hard, bust your ass no one's going to work harder than you you know get out there do the right thing uh you know i probably i probably worked hard played hard more than other people which wasn't a good thing but you know <laughs> I would, um yeah while i was uh, working, I would, don't, don't be don't be too hard on yourself george don't judge yourself too hard <laughs> yeah you know when i worked i was working hard but right uh, when it came time to uh, beer bust on the weekends well, you know, and, and I think you're a good student, right? So you're, uh, you're, 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 you're where, wherever you're at, you're taking care of business wherever it is you're at, whether that's uh, with a red cup, a pencil, or a, or a green helmet on. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, if I only believed then what I believe now, I think, you know, or knew then, I guess. Uh-huh. I'd say no. I mean, it's not like I didn't know it. I guess I just didn't believe it as much, which is why I use that term. Yeah. Uh-huh. So George, tell me what it was like for you. So did you have the in at Adam State because uh, your old man was a legacy player and knew the current coaching staff? Were there other schools that were talking to you? And I can imagine you being about 170 pounds as a senior. How, what, where were you at in the recruiting process coming out of high school? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's funny. You get older, you learn things. I was told... I mean, I had looks like I, I can remember being in the coach's office and Colgate calling because I had a defense mm-hmm. coordinator, Coach D, that would give me a lot of looks. And and Colgate was on there and I'm like, Dad, you come back. And it got a week. I'm like, just come back. And he goes, I will. And they said, I did. And they haven't called back. Well, you know, maybe 10, 15 hours before D passed away, I hear that Colgate had an offer for me. I mm-hmm. never knew it. 
and I just don't think it was ever relayed. And that came from Coach D, who is trustworthy. So I just didn't know. You know what I mean? I would have loved to have went there, but it was in New York, and mm-hmm. um, I just don't think that that was ever relayed to me for various selfish reasons. But um, you know, I didn't know that till God, I was out of high school for ten years, probably. Okay. And then, uh, and then, uh, you know, I did go on trips around Colorado, like Western state uh-huh. L- really liked me as the DC there was Sweeney. He wanted to hire me, uh, not hire me, but recruit me as a, as a free safety. I was like, coach, I don't think you understand me at a free safety. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not a free safety. And uh-huh. he's like, we run this cover three stuff. You're going to be perfect. They had Tony Donald at the time. And I don't know if you know, Tony Donald in the RMAC, but Tony Donald. Uh, was on their basketball player, starting guard, 6'3", 220, like, played for the Packers. Like, you're talking a dude now, like, punt returner. Yeah, like, NFL talent in the RMAC, right? And uh, and equally talented on the basketball court. And I was like, I just don't see it. And Bob Stitt and, and Mines recruited me heavily. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but I came up there and – it was kind of, you know, and my grandfather lived there, but I always kind of had a lot of pressure at home to go to Adams because of the, the, the Wayne McGinn thing. I mean, I didn't go to mines. I mean, okay. don't ask me why. I mean, how can you not go to mines when they, they came up with enough? They said like, you know, we'll, we'll up your scholarship money. You'll, uh, cause they offered me a little bit. And at one point though, I'm meeting with Stitt in his office and he's, he's just asking me about my weight and I keep, yeah, I can get to 225 coach. Yes. I can get to 225 coach. Yes. I can get to 225 coach. Uh-huh. And finally, I stopped him. And I, I'm like the least, you know, I'm especially at that age, I was pretty like on a recruiting because I want to get recruited. I didn't want to confront coach, but I finally just looked at right. it and I said, coach, did you bring me up here to recruit me or to rip on me about my weight for 30 minutes? <laughs> that's, that's a, that's pretty impressive, George. Like that's a real ballsy statement to, to throw out there. Uh, that's, uh, that's awesome. What, what happened next? He said, no, we want you. I just need to make sure that you're going to come in and buy into the program. I said, Coach, I'll buy into whatever program. And so I went and talked to Coach Capriati. He was my position coach, guy recruiting me at the time. And he's an old line coach, but he was my area, you know. And I told him, and he goes, I can't believe that happened. And I, Capriati wasn't there next season. But uh, ultimately, they I, they came down, did a home visit afterward. And, uh, I mean, all of them. And, and it was kind of icy. Like, my dad never really wanted me to go there. And, Mm-hmm. It was an icy visit, even though they brought four coaches down, which was nice. And, um, and you know, I like I like Coach Stitt, and I still talk to him even today. But uh, he uh, he even gave me more money to the most they were giving me in the state of Colorado at the time, which was the night before signing day. And he said, well, we just uncovered more money and came up with more money, and they were going to give me whatever money that um, Johnny Chan was getting out of Rangeview. He was an All-American wide receiver for him. And... Uh, Ultimately, the night before signing day, I told him no, and I said, I'm just going to go to Adams, and uh, for right, wrong, or indifferent, but I did, and mm-hmm. they won the league championship in 05, and we didn't, mm-hmm. 04, 04. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how big of a, so as a fellow uh, slender type slender body type how big a deal was that for you i mean was that just like a big chip on your shoulder as far as like god i'm sick of hearing people talk about my weight uh uh and it just like pissed you off fueled your fire like what was that like for you 
man, it was all about playing football. I, uh-huh. It didn't, you know, it was before every practice, you know, Copeland and Ross would be like, George, the cross country team's going. Right. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it would make me giggle, you know. I mean, by my junior, senior year, I was 215, 220, you know what I mean? But uh-huh. um, a lot bigger and, 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 it just took me a lot longer to grow into my body for God's sakes. And it didn't, you know, it doesn't, it don't matter when you're playing football, you just got to be a player right. and go out there and play like it's uh-huh. football, go play. What, what are you producing? And, and, uh-huh. and I was producing, so I didn't, it didn't bother me. And he was teammates razzing. I'd rather him razz me than to just not talk to me. <laughs> okay. So, what is it like for you? So you got, you know, got some dynamics as far as your decision to go to Adam state. Um, sounds like your dad was highly influential. You had some other looks and some options and some people really interested in you. What's it like for you? Um, and had you gone to Adam state and been around the Adam state campus or just, you know, heard the stuff from your old man, what's it like for you rolling into Adam state, rolling into a, a, a term? I think you, you either coined or you're the first person I heard rolling into the dirty mo and yeah. rolling into the dirty mo. What are your first impressions? Were you familiar with it? What was that like? Um, I was actually at that time, you see, they had just hired Wayne. And so McGinn. Okay. And so we were his first class and Marty was coming in. We actually had like a freshman class of like 70 kids. Oh, wow. I mean, you're talking like trying to go back. So you had, Seymour, both Seymour brothers, mm-hmm. Mueller, um, McGurk, mm-hmm. um, Soderstrom, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then you had some guys that were there one or two years and didn't didn't stay a long time, like Jason Stover, that was very talented, and you had a wide receiver from Fairview, um, Rich Sager, that was talented, and and so mm-hmm. you know, so you. You guys leave. I mean, Ferdinand Torres came down from Pomona and left. I mean, mm-hmm. and left immediately and ended up realize and then going to Fort Lewis a year or two later. You know what I mean? Like, it was it, there was a lot of optimism about the programs because there were so many guys. Wayne had done such a good job at Western. Was the DC won playoff games for goodness sakes. Mm-hmm. Um. It was really just kind of like, hey, let's go build something at Adams where they crushed Colorado recruiting. Like they they really did. Like you had a bunch of people in that class from all over, from the front range. Um, mm-hmm. And there was a whole lot of optimism in there. And mm-hmm. uh, it was just kind of let's get to work, you know. Those uh, And you mentioned some players that – you know, when I came in in 2005, we're still there. Um, we're really, really good players. And I, you know, I, I was a part of the recruiting class that we didn't quite have 70, but I believe there might've been like 50 something because after you all had earned the number one defense in the nation honors and accolades, that must've been a hot recruiting topic because we had a big class coming in too. And there was, quite a few of us that stuck together, Levi, Oscar. Um, and I think maybe you and I kind of share that experience of having a big cohort that comes in and you stick together for a, for a long time. Tell me, tell me about your first year. You, I'm a, since you got uh, six years, so you read, you redshirt your first year. 
Yeah, but you like, like you gotta understand that that program was not in a good place, dude. Okay. Um, it was crazy. I mean, some of the things that went down on that team, like. I'm trying to keep it in a positive light, but when yeah, I yeah, we talking. Dude, was there a, a, extra shenanigans going on, dude? We had teammates sleeping with teammates' wives, dude. Oh like, boy. Okay. Like, truth. Um, That's a situation. It was. It was crazy, and then they're mm-hmm. out there, and they, I mean, they're playing. And they won two two games, I think. I say they because I was redshirted, and then you got Jason playing and some other talented freshmen. I mean. Sager was a good wide receiver, six four kid out of Fairview. He's playing. He only he didn't stick around the whole time, but you had a bunch of talented freshmen playing. Um, you could kind of see the leaves turning, but it was still, it was a it was a grind, man. And it was you were dealing with, man. I mean, <laughs> Coach T Mariner was on that team. I mean, he was one guy that I got to look up to, you know, because. He'd stay okay. after practice. He had his wife, and I think he had his son at the time. I think he had uh-huh. their first kid, maybe two. And he was still really? playing. Yeah, and so he was finishing up his last year. Um, you know, you had some guys that you could look up to there, like, that, that were pretty solid, like Benny Kofe on that team. Um, uh-huh. You know, you had some good coaches. I mean, the offensive coordinator, heck, he's the assistant offensive line coach with the Bills right now, Coach uh-huh. Frazier uh not bills Bengals, but uh it was they 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 tried burying the season during the season because they wanted like the team to get over like a bad loss so they like or they they buried the season or buried like had a funeral yeah trying to, like psychologically get guys to move on uh-huh. um man it was a weird it was a weird first year but so it uh-huh. goes but we didn't end up turning the corner till about year two uh-huh. Year two, and that was before the last game. We maybe year three. It was year three probably. But last game against Shatter and we finally came together as a team. Guys like Brian Bohannon, you know, kinda came together and said, like, let's just play, let's stop worrying about things and God, we lost on the last second. Shatter was going to playoffs and mm-hmm. I'll never forget the clock operator stops an incomplete pass with point four, point six seconds. Mm-hmm. And they run a rollout throwback and score in the south end zone by the big tree. They threw it to the other side. They rolled to the right and threw it back towards the library mm-hmm. and beat us on the last play of the game. But that's kind of where we first started coming together was about year three. And that's kind mm-hmm. of that 2003 season is kind of where the program changed, in my opinion, was about before, like that, that shattering game that we lost. We didn't finish. Um, mm-hmm. Got it. Even had a two minute drive with like a minute 40 and, and, and Brian Bohan scores and, we drive down, take the lead again. They get the ball back with like, if they got had more than thirty seconds, I would have been shocked. And they drive back down, score a touchdown to win, and the, it was crazy. It was crazy. But that's yeah. where we start coming together, and the program start changing. I mean, we were five and six, six and five those years. But that last game against Shadron was when we we took the step to be one of the best in the league. Yeah, no, and I'd be curious. Well, there's a couple things I'm interested to talk about. There is is one. You're redshirting when the program's not in a great place and is not performing the way and 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 getting the outcomes that they want. I feel for this, you know, for the red shirts this year who go through um, a record that is not what anybody wants. Um, and 
I, I feel for, you know, you talk about, uh, you know, coach, coach Mariner. I mean, I, I feel for those seniors this year, you know, or, or in those years that are the ones that kind of have to be the first part of a rebuilding process. And you remember them because the season's in the toilet, but they're still out there before the, before practice doing the drills they're supposed to, they're not goofing off on the sideline, things like that. Um, and, uh, so, so let, let's talk about going up to that turning corner. When do you take a medical redshirt, George? Uh, 03, I think. Okay. And uh, what happened? A knee, shoulder, what happened? Yeah, I played my freshman year in 02, and then I took a medical in 03. We were doing a stupid-ass drill, and I'll just say it, but we were. We were running in a line along a heavy bag, like a high jump mat. Mm-hmm. And then another guy was coming at a 90 degree angle and supposed to be hitting you onto the high jump mat. Okay. Like that's what we were doing. And, uh, and so McGurk hits <laughs> McGurk McGurk hits me all American. God bless that man. God bless him. He just, he just crushes me, but that's the way we did it. I mean, I'm not mad at McGurk, but he hits me we right. go over the damn bag and I land on my shoulder and it pops out. I turn my, mm. turn my shoulder up. I mean, it's just stuff that anymore no one would be doing. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I got a dose of that drill um, where (laughs) – I think I got a dose of that drill. Um, Now, (laughs) tell me this about about McGurk, right? So uh, I never got hit by McGurk, but one of the things that Brian Timberman told me is – Bubba says, when McGurk hits you – He's only six inches away, but it feels like he had a 10-yard head start. Did he just have a uh, – because he's a, he's a magical player. Like, he had some, you know, Dude. some you know you some it do, factor to him. What was it like? You do angle tackling four games, and I would try and explain to people that when he hit you, I don't know if he just had a dense core or if he was – he had to just had a really dense core to whereas – and he could use his hips in such a way that he would – he would go through you and it uh-huh. like he, he was the career leader in forced fumbles for a reason, mm-hmm. because when he hit right. you, he hit like it, you felt it. Unlike anything uh-huh. else I've ever hit before on a football field, it, it, uh-huh. him hitting was just different. So, yeah. So, and the forced fumble. So, so he's just a, he's just a sledgehammer. Now, something that I yeah. observed him, him do, um, in the games that I got to watch was I never saw him just wrap up. I would see him wrap with at least one arm. And then I, I, I think I could hear it hiss. I would see his arm just whip, just whip and hit the football like perfectly. Like it was a really impressive. First time I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh. Cause he, He's got the tackle. He's driving the dude back. And then his arm just comes, wow, and just smacks the ball. And I was just super impressed. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, that was, yeah, that was thought, super impressive. I saw him rip a ball a couple times. I mean, just stand up, just rip, and it would fly. I mean, he was – he could force – he was special. There's a reason why he's on the mm-hmm. Armac, Armac All-Century team, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, he was special. And Rest in peace for what it's worth – the fact that he's not in the Adam State um, Hall of Fame is a travesty mm-hmm. for whatever reasons. You know, mm-hmm. I've heard it's because he doesn't have a degree, but 
you know, Chuck Jeans in the Hall of Fame, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 if you want to make it about off the field character issues, Chuck Jean, you know, was kicked out of Iowa State for strangling a deer with his hands. Um, and that's how he got to Adam State. Now, Chuck was a heck of a wrestler, national champion. But uh-huh. if you want to make the Hall of Fame about character issues, mm-hmm. there's precedent there. And I'm a law guy and I'm talking precedent here. Right. But the fact that he, and I'll just be honest, I, the fact that it's very discouraging as a teammate of his, you have someone on the Armacle Century team and, and your alma mater won't put him into the Hall of Fame. Something's mm-hmm. going on. That's it's not right. It's just not right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, rest in peace, Adam McGurk. He was special. I'm sure he was very special for you to play with. He was special for me to see. Um, he came back and coached a little bit. Um, and he's part of the specialness of the 2004 season of the number one defense. And the, do I have that correct? Number one defense in the nation? Because if I remember correctly, that was a shirt. Uh, the, and I don't know if it's the one that you said that you have hung up, but it was nine five nine equals yeah. number one defense in the nation. So there's various statistical analysis that went in, and and we weren't number one in like all the categories, of course. Matter of fact, we weren't even right. points per game. But College Sports Report at the time was doing a whole thing, and, and College Sports Report put out the D two best defense in the country and um, uh-huh. cited the work we did against the top teams. I mean, we helped. Someone from Missouri was a top. 10 15 team that year two 1000 yard mm-hmm. backs they were returning we played them week one and held them to 106 yards of total offense i think and i'm not exaggerating that number um mm-hmm. then we turned around and you know we played uh, uh shattering state maybe with danny woodhead mm-hmm. and uh a freshman but still danny woodhead you know right. and, and we're we're giving up 13 points 16 points and we played well against shattering um, mm-hmm. and, uh, then we go up to Montana state who has Travis Lule, who had a cup of coffee in the, in the NFL as a quarterback. And they made it to this national semis, the round of eight that year. And we went up mm-hmm. and, and smacked them in the teeth and held them to 222 yards total offense. And, right. Yeah. Uh, that's a 19, that's a 19 point, 19 point. And that's a very good showing, um, against a, a pretty good Montana state team. Yeah. I'm sitting on the bench. We, we just brought our defense off the field and it's halfway through the, Five and it's like five minutes left in the second quarter. I remember it vividly because whenever you're at Montana State, and I just signed my guy, my first NFL players from Montana State. I've been up there a bunch lately. They still do it. Awesome. And um, every first down, it's good for us. And then the whole crowd goes, first down, Bobcats, you know. And mm-hmm. so I come over and I'm sitting on the bench and I look up and they just, they ran a fake punt and they threw it to, I think his name was Cooper, number 91. He's an All American. He's coaching somewhere in the big sky now, too. And they run a fake punt to Cooper and they get like, from the 50 and they get like 20, 30 yards down inside of red zone. And I'm like, I hear that. And I'm like, that's, that's the first time I've heard that. Today. I think that they got their first, first down on a fake punt with like five minutes left in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. And so we got to go up on the field. And I think they threw like a slip screen or something and ended up scoring that drive. I remember the roar, but um, mm-hmm. I'm telling like that defense was unlike anything. Like it was just savages. I mm-hmm. mean, you had, you had nine guys on the all region team defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you had, you just had savages all over that defense of guys that just went from John Quinn, you know, the corners with, you know, Drinkwater was on one side and Charles Allgood was on the other. I'm not sure there's a better corner, corner tandem in the country. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, you had safeties that could fly, you had linebackers, and you had tremendous experience at the linebacker with Seymour and McGurk, and and you just went across the board. Um, well, yeah, you know, and then your and then your defensive line, your defensive line is Adam Warren, Ernesto Villasenor. I don't know, was OP on that team? Was Opalani? OP was on that team, but the guy that made it all tick, as far as being able to get pressure generated up front, was John Quinn. That's I mean, what it looked like uh, j- j- uh, looking because I went back and I looked at some of the different stats. I looked at their stats and John, John Quinn sounds like it was a dude. Jay Cutie could get after it. Jay Cutie was in that initial <laughs> 2001 class too. So he was out of was over, he? Awesome. undersized, but mm-hmm. everyone called him, you know, Jay Cutie, John Quinn. And Johnny, <laughs> that kid could, he was the guy we had that could beat an O-lineman. And in the last two minutes, you did not want to see him coming off the edge. He was a real finisher. And um, and OP was on that defense. Like you, you just had some dudes that would just get after. I don't know if Paul Deluge was on that defense and Blaine Woodland. They might have been gone the year before, but they were they were two guys that kind of laid the foundation too. That were Detroit kids, had a toughness. You know, mm-hmm. John Lopez was a linebacker that wasn't quite on that team, but I think he was an O two O three linebacker that had some toughness from Cerritos. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, in general. You just had some tough dudes on that defense. Just some, mm-hmm. there's an attitude, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and and I'll tell you here in a sec about like my observations coming in um, about culture, about things that was like, because it's not like there's a whole lot of other places I was going to go besides Adam State as far as like offers and stuff like that. But there were some things where it really tripped my trigger. And, um, but tell me about the Carney game. So, 2004, Coach Crowther talks about the 04 Carney game as the best game he's seen. Um, Adam State, the most, the most complete game. Uh, and what was what was that game like? You said it was a fun one. You said that if you if I was digging through film and I found one, that's the one to find. Tell me about the Carney game. Um, well, Carney had said something like the year before oh coach you guys are getting better in 03 and that really pissed off our staff right mm-hmm. and like what do you mean we're getting like screw you and so mm-hmm. then they come out and i and i have some friends on that carney staff even to this day you know russ martin is a good friend of mine who's former coach here in mason and he was their oc and, and normally you don't catch carney i'll say this normally you don't catch carney and russ martin not having a, a set quarterback and that year they kind of had three they were filtering through and they didn't really have one but they were still a good mm-hmm. team and they had richie ross who went to titans uh texans camp at, at wide receiver and they put up points and they were talented man um mm-hmm. and so they came up and it, for me it was a big game because i was sharing time I was playing behind goodman kind of the depth chart at the time and Goodman couldn't play that Thursday or Friday for some reason. And so it was one of my first starts in college. And, uh, and, uh, so they come in and, and I end up getting the start. It might've been the year before I had to have been that game. I don't know. Honest to God, I don't know. And, um, it was probably one of my first starts for me is what I'm thinking. I ended up having a ton of tackles playing really well. If it's the game I'm thinking, that might have mm-hmm. been 02. No, that's 02. I was thinking Carney. So never mind. Let me switch out of that gear. 02 was that game where I was my first start and I played pretty well. 04, they come back. And man, I tell you what, you, you look in retrospect and offense played a hell of a game. And we had some studs up front on that O line now. Now, mm-hmm. Lundin was a youngster at the time. 
Yeah. But Lundin was on that team and Carpillo and Lanier. Like we had a good O line and mm-hmm. we just kind of played and competed. And it was close and close and close. And I think offense comes out in the third quarter and grinds out this like crazy 13 play, like 10 minute drive. I mean, I'd have to see the stats, but I can remember in the third or fourth quarter offense just going on this long drive where they just took like 10 minutes off the clock. We ran this like triple option type offense and Mm -hmm. um, real big splits, kind of funky. And and they just grind and score. Scotty Cox is at that point, right? Scotty Cox is the Q. Scotty Cox is the quarterback at the time. And, you know, we have two, even for the RMAC now, I mean, every RMAC team would take, would take, um, you know, Chris Ross and uh, yeah, Copeland as your, as your H-backs. I mean, for God's sakes, we had two wings and those guys, H-back type guys, that big physical dudes. I mean, they're making mm-hmm. catches and dragging people. Um, yeah. McGirt, come, they're getting ready to score on us. We're inside our 20. Well, before that, what stands out to me is, is they're on the 40 coming in, and I blitz, and I, I don't get there, and I jump up and hit the quarterback, and somehow I pull him on top of me. So I knock the wind out of myself. And uh, so I look over at Marty and I give him the I need out, which I'd never do. Right. And he pointed back out at me and kind of gave me the throat gesture and pointed back to the field. Like, <laughs> and so, uh, I was like, okay, that's the way it's going to be. And so I kind of jogged back down. And it was a long pass play. They probably got 20, 25 yards inside or 20. And the next one or two plays, we're sitting there and McGurk blitzes. He's not supposed to blitz, he's supposed to have the back out. <laughs> and, and he goes and I'm on the opposite side of my, so I'm on the right side McGurk's on the left and the back was on his side so we had back out on swing well McGurk goes so I go and I just adjust because I was supposed to be on quarterback so I take his okay. responsibility I'm, and I just run right to the swing quarterback's a little late throwing the swing route so I step in front tippy toe the sideline a little bit but um, mind you, I am exhausted, absolutely exhausted, because I haven't been able to breathe for about a minute now. Yeah. yeah. So I don't get past the 30-yard line, and I'm already starting to run the option, looking around for who I can pass it to. Well, all the people around me are big. They're all, I'm looking yeah. lateral. And all the only people, right. i got one person in front of me, the quarterback, and there's like four D linemen around me. I'm like, well, I'm not lateral to these guys. And to this day, Brandon Smith. <laughs> B. B. Smith is behind me, and if you knew anything about B, he did not have the best best hands. Like, oh, oh no. So finally, I'm like, okay, well, I can't run anymore, and the quarterback's in front of me, and I don't feel like juking him. So I go a lateral to B. Smith. I didn't see Richie Ross completely fast. Went to Texans camp, coming up behind mm-hmm. B. So as soon as I pitch it to B, it hits his hand, and Richie's on him. I'm like, oh, good job, George. But he runs through Richie's <laughs> tackle, and he catches it. B. Smith takes it in for the score. And uh, that kind of, it kind of turned the game. I mean, this, and so we had to like go back out and get another stop because, of course, we're kicking off. And I don't know if that put us, I think that put us up or it, it made it a 10 point game. Or if you got the stats in front of you, I mean, it was, a, it was a relatively pivotal, pivotal play at that point in time. And then the offense just kept pounding the ball and, and we won that game big. And, uh, it was really a complete offense, defense type game that, that was pretty fun. And um, it's one that stands out, man. Mm-hmm. And that puts you in a position to go and to play for the strap, to go play Mines at home for for the conference championship. Do you remember much about that game? What was that like? 
we just didn't settle down. We gave up. We were down twenty-one nothing maybe before the end of the first quarter. Just uh huh. There was some. It was the, it was the advent of two M. Coach put in two M that week. Mm-hmm. Kind of mines ran a lot of crossers, and so we put in a new scheme. We didn't settle down defensively. We were too worried about the scheme, probably, in fairness to coach. It wasn't coach's fault. I mean, we were probably just too worried about the scheme. But then come second quarter, we just start running our cover three stuff and pounding them. And, and I think we lose 31-something. Um, 31-21, I think. Yeah. And um, we just started playing too late to, from a defensive standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they, they just jumped on us early, and we didn't. Once we calmed down, I mean, we started playing really well. Gabalski got a pick. We got a little bit of uh, – we got a tip pass, you know, um, up the middle. Gabalski picks it. I mean, I've I've never done this before, but I'm. it's the fourth quarter, maybe five minutes left. I think we're down 10, and I'm unblocked, coming to block a punt, and I don't know how I missed the ball. I always remember this. It's always the ones you don't hit, right, the ones you don't get. Right. I miss Mm-hmm. I think I just dived between the punter's legs and I, I missed the ball and the, I hear a little Sam go, Ooh, cause I, I don't even, I still to this day don't know how I missed it. I think I dove right by the ball cause I was scared. Mm-hmm. If I missed it, I didn't want to get a penalty. I need, I know we need the offense back. Right. But, but I mean, you know, I mean, it, 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 it just, you know, and I wish I'd made that play and, and just relive of course. it. Yeah. Um, it was just one of those things to where as we didn't, we didn't play a full 60 minutes and, and they were a hell of a team. I mean, you know, Justin Gallus and Johnny Chan and yeah. um, Chad Freehoff who went and got a look with the Broncos and, you know, he's on the RMAC all century team. And I think either Chan or Gallus might be, I mean, now they had all Americans all over that field, but we also didn't, we didn't play well enough. Mm-hmm. That one sucked. But you, you know uh, what? I mean, go ahead. Well, I mean, we had the opportunity. I mean, not a lot of Adam State teams have had that. And right. And when you're well, and, and that would be what you know. You talk about not getting settled down. You know, I almost wonder to what degree uh, were were you not satisfied to be there, but just being there is an accomplishment. Playing for playing for the championship, and then just getting getting all into your nerves to where you get more concerned with not losing than you are with playing football and winning. I mean, that's been I think, something that I think I, we're like, trying to be perfect. I think we're oh, trying okay. to be perfect and too worried uh-huh. about these new changes mentally in the defensive uh-huh. scheme uh-huh. instead of just worrying about executing and <clears throat> and playing hard. And I think we just overthought. I don't know. I, I hate the psychology of sport. I just don't. I just know we didn't play <laughs> well. Yeah. Well, I mean, you do have those memories for uh, from it and – that performance nets you the distinguishment of uh, best defense in the nation and your coaches, they have that as a recruiting tool and they go out and they scare up some goons. They scare up some goons like me. Now my recruiting story is I had like a letter from Benedictine and uh, <laughs> a couple of the, a couple of the um, uh, junior colleges there in Arizona, but um Marty came down, talked to me in the training room and he watched my, my uh, teammates tape. And my teammate was very good. I don't know if you remember Ryan Allen. Uh, Hey man, Mm -hmm. blonde California dude. And uh, 
you know, just a, a really fast person. He really was, you know, D1 caliber speed, but he had his, uh, you know, he just didn't handle his business the way he needed to off the field. But anyway, so he was really good. So I'm sure they were pumped to pumped to sign him. And I get signed. Uh, uh, Mar Marty watches one clip of tape of me where I whiff on a sack and, but then I run 30 yards downfield and hawk him from behind. He goes, well, that's nine, five, nine football. That's what we do here. And for me to hear the team that just played for a conference championship, the team that was the number one defense in the nation wants me to be a part of that. I was just like, Oh my God. Cause we were a doormat in Apache junction for a long time. And I got to be a part of a senior class that changed the culture around a performance and winning and taking football seriously. And I don't know what degree I can, you know, contribute to that, but for me to be invited onto a team that was going to be good or that was going to win some games, I was just, oh. and then the thing that, the thing that stood out to me as far as culture was on my recruiting trip, uh, Danny devil dog Dyson is my host, Brian, Brian Bubba Timmerman's his roommate. And uh, they, they treated us well. They were great hosts. And I, I, we might've went to your house. They take Ryan and myself and a bunch of the other recruits somewhere. I don't remember. <laughs> I think it might've been Seymour's house and I'm watching Jason Seymour with a white t-shirt, a Sharpie marker and a pair of scissors. He's just, ah, he's just rage cutting up this t-shirt and he's writing 35 to 17 or something like that. And he's just, mother, da, 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 da. you know, he's just chirping to himself, doing arts and crafts, just hating Western state. So I watch him do that. I'm like, oh, okay. And then we went to the Western state basketball game. Iceman's running around. The whole football team is there. And, and every, everyone's just there hating Western state. And I looked around and I was just like, this is the best. <laughs> like I, I was so pumped. Cause again, being from a doormat program, like nobody had the, that hot, hot heat and passion and, and rage and fury towards other people. Cause you're getting your butt kicked all the time. Right. So just to see that and to be a part of it, I was in, I was like, this is the kind of place that has the spirit that, uh, th that I like. So those are a couple of things that I saw um, around a culture of taking football serious, having an attitude, um, being a team. So you know, have this great season in 2004. Do you think that you had really, you know, set up that culture as far as what needed to happen as a football team? What are your observations and reflections of that 04 going into 05? Yeah, I think a lot of that stuff, as far as how you practice defensively and anyway, where I knew and I could talk about, you know, I think that stuff was set. Um, it's just, you know, and it's stuff you don't really know then, but now looking back, like when you don't have 36 scholars and you're operating at 22 to be mm -hmm. able to just reload and bring in the next class and have guys develop in the program, we didn't have that luxury. Mm -hmm. Like we, we had a good team coming back in 05. Um, yeah. but we also, like, it's just the reality of the situation. You're going to. If you can't recruit, if you can't recruit, you're not going to have the depth to just reload and play for league titles every year. Like, mm -hmm. we didn't have that. So we had the culture created. I think that, you know, um, we didn't have we didn't have the funds to be able to re be 
be too deep on the O-line mm -hmm. year in, year out. Like, oh, we got 10 good returning O-linemen. We didn't have, we didn't, we didn't have, you know, too deep in the secondary, you know, to whereas we were like, oh yeah, we're, we get an injury. We're good there. Like, that's just not what happened. And then we come into 05 and we get injuries. I mean, we're playing our tail off at NAU. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you were traveling to that game. No, and but I remember EV gets hurt, right? Oh, it's like, yeah, it's like seven to three at halftime. Like we're playing our ass off. And then mm -hmm. we lose three defensive starters in the secondary and God bless the secondary kids that came in, but they scored 49 second half points and probably drew, and I'm, I'm, I'm not exaggerating here, probably drew seven pass interference calls. Um, oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And and it just you know I mean you got guys like Kenny Jenkins that went down. Kenny was great. Um, Kenny was so yeah. good. Yeah. Even when he came back with a with a with half a knee, he came back and played running back. I did. He, I don't know if that was. I don't know if you were you and I were still playing together then. But he came back and it was just like, how's this guy? This guy's not a human. Have you seen him now? No. Is he just jacked? Yeah, he does these bodybuilding stuff. Like he's, oh my he's like gosh. 40 years old, dude. He looks like he's like 27. Just made out of granite. Awesome. Yeah. Good penny. Powerful Kenny that. Jenkins. Um, uh, we just, I mean, so we had a lot of that. We had a lot of injuries. It just, what I'll always remember, though, was the trip home from NAU. <laughs> uh-huh. I believe there was a bus incident. There was a bus. I didn't, I didn't partake in the bus incident because I was with Cecil on the van. <laughs> powerful Cecil <laughs> fell um but the bus, so the bus broke down poor, right the bus did break down and poor Billy Lindquist is still stuck Billy's the OC out at, uh USC Pembroke now by the way great uh-huh okay Billy, powerful Billy Lindquist Billy's the personal protector and he explodes his knee I mean it was oh no so Billy's still uh -huh. stuck down in there I heard that the bus has people like up on top like it took so long to get anyone there they're sleeping on the top of the bus because it's so hot in arizona driving oh, through no. like gallup or something is where it broke down oh no in that august was, that was just i mean we went down to nau lost like five five starters and um yeah we were healthy we were playing we were playing yeah yeah well that was it was so cool for me to come in and then i'm red shirting and to watch to watch you guys, right? <clears throat> People that I think about, I think about Adam Warren. And I'm like, golly, what, what am I doing here with my life? I'm supposed to, I play the same position as this guy. He's 29. He's got a mustache. He benches 315 for 16s. You know, like, I was just like, ah, you know. Um, <clears throat> but things that I do, you know, remember, so watching you guys, watching Seymour and his intensity, um, and then getting to go play scout team against Hawkins and Muneer and Carpillo and Shashow and, uh, and Lundin, um, Marcus Saez was, was the running back and he was nice. He was super nice. Gene Mejia, uh, KJ, KJ, I think is a receiver Quinn. I sent you those clips of Quinn, Quindaro, um, uh -huh. Quinn Harrison. Um, I get to go play scout team offense, but things that stick out, you know, is watching all of you guys watching, uh, the, you know, the intensity and the attitude. Um, but also, you know, I've talked about this in other podcasts is your, and I alluded to it earlier is you saying, Hey, if you got six bucks, we can go get a burrito from La Roca. It's like Chipotle, but worse. And, and, 
you know, so you're an older, you know, you're, you're a leader. You, 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 you drive me out. We go get a burrito. We shoot the breeze a little bit. I think you take me to Walmart so I can buy stupid dorm stuff after that or something like that. But, um, I, I know that you mentored and, and it, that, that's like a extra effort kind of thing to like reach out to the younger players and stuff like that. I know you develop close relationships with Levi and a bunch of other of us in that age category. That's uh that was an important thing for you. It seemed like. Well, yeah. I mean, I, you guys were all awesome. I mean, whether or not it was you and Teeps and Ramsey and Bubba, you know, and Danny Dyson and, uh, you know, I mean, Levi and, uh, God, I can't even think of his name right now. The linebacker from Arizona that was tremendous. Oscar? Um, Oscar Villa. I mean, you know, there was really – you look at the linebackers that came through there for like five, even 10 years from like Oh three till up and through De Lorenzo and those kind of mm-hmm. kids. Like there was Dude. a solid tradition mm-hmm. of really good linebacker play down there. But you know, all those, I mean, I named off all those front seven guys cause that's who we were hanging out with, but you know, right. I mean, that's who you practice with inside drill. And you know, mm-hmm. it's just kind of, yeah, it was a culture thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Money Mike McDonald. Mike McDonald. I mean, he was a heck of a football player out there. Um, you know, I mean, it was just – that's what I'm saying. Like, all those guys were all conference. Like, there yeah. was – you go down the list. I mean, there were some good football players there. Mm-hmm. Let's talk uh, – so, so, 05, you have your best year in 2005. I know it's not the season that you won. There's some wild things, and maybe there's some – some some bad juju or mojo on the season but you have a really good season in 2005 you you're you're on one of the all-conference lists and you lead the armac in sacks right that's a pretty rad that's a pretty rad accomplishment what did uh what that feel like for you to be to to lead the armac in sacks and i don't know maybe maybe you didn't notice but what, do, you, do you recall that uh no i actually never knew that i mean maybe maybe i did i think i knew i was up there in sacks and tackles for loss i don't know if i let it or not i mean yeah yeah so and tackles for loss so you had 21 tackles for you had 65 tackles uh so that puts you fourth on the team but you had some dudes in front and then 21 tackles for a loss that was first on the team um you had nine sacks put you first on the team and first in the armac and then uh you had four yeah. first a uh, four forced fumbles that year too yeah um it, good year, I don't know. It, didn't, it didn't stand out much because i just played with mcgurk who was getting like 15 to 16 sacks and mm. john quinn mm-hmm. you know that had like 15 sacks like uh-huh. like so nine sacks was cool and all i guess <laughs> i didn't i mean but like it wasn't like you back then looking back on it like it wasn't it wasn't mcgurk and like it, you know what i mean <laughs> yeah 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 like, like, yeah like good year but like it wasn't like i, I wasn't gonna walk around bragging because those guys right those guys did it better you know what i mean um i mean i was proud of uh, that i could wreak havoc in the backfield and i, I create a lot of negative plays which is huge right and turnovers yeah but, for sure um yeah i mean it was cool i i guess i i wasn't as good of a, a one-on-one pass rush winner i couldn't win you know like like john quinn who was maybe the best there or um 
you know, even, even McGurk, but it was fun. You know, I, 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 it was, it was good. Um, I just wanted to get better. I wanted to come in and get better. And I wanted, I wanted to win, man. I wanted to win. Mm -hmm. So we have a transition, right? So there's a, there's a changing of the guard that happens in 2006. Um, you're coming back for your, your, your last year, Mike McDonald, Gabalski. I think you're all seniors there. Um, your, your defensive lines depleted, right? So you got me and Tim clock and Josh Teeples comes out of San Diego and Ramsey Johnson, a few others, but there's a big changing in the guard. Coach Heaton goes to mines to be their defensive coordinator. Um, when you think about the 2006 season and those transitions, was that a hard thing for you to have coach Heaton? It had to be a hard thing for you to have coach Heaton leave and to be kind of, you know, it's time for you, you to step up as a player slash player coach on the like what was that like what was 2006 your very last year like it, it was i mean it was it was good i mean it the defense kind of was amorphous between like tony lynn you know who's mm -hmm. on the play the coordinator kind of but then you had like the Drinkwater brothers that were coaching and helping out a lot mm -hmm. and kind of we were switching to a fresno scheme which took a little bit to learn but we had some of the guys to run it um you know it was it was different. I, I mean, we still played well at times. We played well at times. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we the, the culture remained the same, right? Like, and it, yeah. and it did up in and through twenty ten. Like, it just it we ran to the ball. We played right. the right way. Um, you know, it was kind of a funky year because I I got hurt. I was having a great year first six games you yeah you're having a good year there's there's multiple games you don't play and you still finish with really really good stats that year um yeah I and, and get some honors mm -hmm. yeah i got an outside in cut block and i game was over at carney and coach asked me what i want to do i'm like i'm here to play let's play and he leaves me in the uh -huh. game and i get an outside in cut block and tear my knee and then i come back and try and play at like 50 percent against western maybe played 10 plays and then I played mm -hmm. my last game against Danny Wood, Woodhead at like 80% mm -hmm. Shadron. But I, I I mean, I think I think I missed two games with a completely torn MCL. I mean, it's a four to six week injury. And I think I I think I missed Matt Mesa. Danny played really mm -hmm. well in that Mesa game. I think mm -hmm. I missed Mesa and then at Panhandle. And yeah, then, Pan, uh, yeah. And then... Uh, That's correct. And then I played the third week later after... <laughs> In retrospect, it's kind of crazy. I played a little bit against Western. I was worthless, but I tried playing against Western. But I, yeah, I completely tore that MCL and tried playing through it. it sucked, man. This, this, uh, this game in particular is it has the best. My favorite thing, one of my favorite things that happened on the football field was you just blasted somebody and your helmet came down and just cut the bejesus out of your nose right so the bridge of your nose is gushing right you have it you look like you've been fighting in a cage right and uh you come up web they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna make me they're gonna make me go to the sideline you need to wipe some of this stuff off <laughs> right and so there's like a series where 
in between plays, we're like, we're like checking the play sheet. Right. And I'm like wiping the blood. Like I'm doing your makeup you or something. Like I'm just, I'm wiping the blood off your face. And in about three plays in, like it is, it just keeps leaking, bud. It just keeps leaking. And about three plays in, that's when you start, they're going to get me off the field. You need to, you know, and we get it taken yeah. care of. And in that chaos, someone forces a fumble and you get to run it in for a touchdown. So, you know, when I think about it, like a cool little story, I'm like, you know, you talk about tough, you know, George Hall has got his face split open. He's having me wipe blood off him and he's running in tugs on defense. Do you remember well, that? Danny, Danny Dyson forced the turnover. So they took okay. like a hitch and the, the, the corners got the kids stood, stood up and, uh-huh. uh, Danny's running the football as that outside linebacker over there, forces a fumble. I bat, I come over, scoop, score right down the sideline there. I can remember mm-hmm. vividly, you know, it's in the south, west end zone towards that yeah. tree. And you were, you were wiping blood off my face. The, fun, the One of the funnier thing about that story is the guy that I hit that did it, it was the it was the last scrimmage coming out of camp, and I hit Levi Gallus. And mm-hmm. Cody Rowling was behind him. So I don't know if you've ever seen those, like, five balls that are lined up, and when you drop one, all the inertia comes out the last ball. Yeah. yeah. Okay? It's, it's physics. Uh-huh. It's just the way it is. So yeah. Cody's on the backside of, of, of Levi, and I run, like, 40 yards and I'm like, there's no way I'm not just unloading on this cat. I just had to run like 40 yards to get here. I'm gonna... so I like, I like unload on him. I scream something to the effect of an f bomb or something. I think as I do it. <laughs> something and, classy. Uh, yeah, so, so something, something classy. And he stands <laughs> up and he giggles and he goes, "Nice hit," which pissed me off even more. But he didn't feel it. He didn't feel it because he was in the middle. So after right. the scrimmage, Cody Rowling's like, dude, you smoked me. You hit me so hard. I said, Cody, <laughs> I didn't touch you. I hit. And that's when it was like one of those hits. Yeah. It, goes it transferred energy. And so oh, he was boy. like, you jacked me up. And I was like, I didn't even touch you. Like, I hit Levi. But then that was the play where my helmet came down. So then every every game after that, I think the whole season, my, my nose was bloody on the bridge. But, uh, yeah, that one happened. But, I mean, I missed – I missed a sack. I went over Gutierrez. He ducked. I've never done this in my life. And he ducked. Uh-huh. And it was third down. And they either scored a touchdown, like a 30-yard touchdown pass after he ducked me, or got a first down and scored on the drive. Either way, I make that play. They don't score a touchdown. We probably win that game. And uh, I mean, that, I was a, that, was a, that was a hard – that was one of those, you know, again, so that moment, that positive moment sticks out to me, but also um, – Looking at looking at my teammates that didn't get to shoot the musket that year, that was one of the experiences where, like, it felt so bad. You just got to sit in it and look around and go, man, I'm just a redshirt freshman, you know, but I really don't want that. I don't want to see that ever again. Like, that was that was really hard to to watch you guys and definitely inspired like what practice was going to be like and it was a you know we, we ain't gonna we're not gonna let these seniors down like we let the ones down in 2006 I mean that was so if it was hard for me I couldn't imagine what it was like for you yeah I mean I don't know it was it just sucked I mean it mm-hmm. sucked I just ran off the field it, it was what it was right like I mean, I was national, and I was even national I think Don Hansen like national player of the week I was conference player of the week that week like, mm-hmm. I had multiple sacks, the fumble recovery for Todd, like, mm-hmm. but it's still, it just, for years, you just look back on like that mind's loss, you know what I mean? It's like that right. kind of stands out just as much, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, but 
it uh man it was that sack he just ducked me and i was mm-hmm. i didn't think he, he ducked me well and he you know that's a good player that was a very good quarterback you know and you're not going to let yourself off the hook here but it's not like some scrub ducked you we're talking about one of the best rushing quarterbacks definitely in the armac at that time if i recall correctly well, and throwing. I mean, I think Matt might have been all American by the time he was done. I mean, Matt Gutierrez was one of the best quarterbacks to come through there, no question. Um, played some indoor ball, some arena ball, arena two. Like he, kid could play ball. He could spin the ball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so George, you you wind up. You know, we finish out the 2006 season. That was the only year that I had a overall winning record. Um, Tell me what you do after football because you go t- – tell me about going and playing for the ice or what was it – let's start here. What did you study and what kind of student were you? Thanks for listening to this first part of this interview with George Harley. Keep an eye on your feed with part two coming along. Do me a solid. Do this Adam State football podcast a solid. And like, subscribe, rate, review, share. Send it out to your peoples on the social media. If you hear a teammate, shout it out. Tag them in a post so that we can continue to make people aware of these great stories we're spitting out on the Adam State Football Podcast. Thanks in advance.